We are going to be in 2 Timothy starting off. So if you guys can churn there. And if you guys know anything about this story, you know that there is going to be some names that I can't pronounce. And I know that is shocking, but I love when God takes, there's not just one passage, there's several passages today that we'll be reading that I have no idea if I'm pronunciating it right, but I don't have the time for that. So um, if I'm not pronunciating it right, make sure you laugh at me. That's fine. That's okay. My wife laughs at me all the time too. Um, We will do our best in saying them right, but there's a reason We have to read this passage, but it goes with um, our theme today, friendship. So today we're going to talk about the importance of friendship, the call to friendship. All right, so Leah, I gave Leah, this is the worst thing ever, right? I gave Leah my notes this morning, and typically I try not to stick to notes, but I'm going to today. So she went through this morning and made a whole bunch of slides, so I have no idea what you're getting. All right, so if it's messed up, it's 100% Leah's fault. Um, I had nothing to do with it, but I really do appreciate that she was that quick, and plus I gave her a ton of scriptures to write down. So anyway, I will be in the Holman Christian Standard Bible if you guys want to follow along with that. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to read several verses here. We're going to go all the way to 22, uh, chapter 9, or chapter 4, verse 9 through 22. It says, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretan has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tarchus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Taurus with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works." Watch out for him yourself, because he strongly opposed our words. At my first defense, no one came to my assistance, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me, strengthened me, so that my proclamation might be fully made through me, and all the Gentiles might hear, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth." The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiporus. Uh, Aristus has remained at Corinth. Trumphimus, I left sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. This is my favorite name right here. Ready? Eubulus greets you, as do Prudens, Linus, Claudia, and all thy brothers. Now, this is the name I can say. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Once again, Lord, we just come to you. Lord, we just humbly come before you and ask that you'll be with us. Lord, we pray that we can be an amazing friend. Lord, we just ask that as we go through these scriptures, Lord, that You open up our hearts to where we not only fail you, but we fail our friends. Lord, we just ask that you'll continue to watch over us. Lord, we love you. In your son's name we pray. 
Amen. So the reason I liked Eubulus so much in this is that's about the only name I knew. And more than anything, that's because I was reading along with my Bible app. And I was like, you know what? Could you imagine being a seven-year-old walking on a school bus with that type of name? You had to know how to fight. Like, it was instant. Like, you were already scrapping before you even got on the bus. But anyway, that's just a little bit of a joke. But um, one of the things I believe why this is so important to read is Paul not only names his friend, but he named his enemies. And it is unbelievable who God puts in our lives for the things for us to learn. So even our enemies, we need to be thankful for. Damas was evil, right? So I want to talk about Damas just for a second because Damas is, talks about he lost it with him because, what's it say there? Let me get back to my spot. It says Damas because he loved this present world. He loved this present world. You know how many of us are in love with this present world? the world we live in, and we say we're not in love with it, but I'm going to be honest. I got back on Facebook. All right, I don't know if you noticed. I changed some pictures on there, but I started looking at people that attend here only, and then I looked at other posts too, but here specifically, in the last three months, not everybody, but a majority of people that I looked at that have been here at Church on the Rock within the last six months, I looked, and they have two, three months worth of post, and not one of them is godly. It's all about politics. It's all about coronavirus and has nothing, nothing about your walk with Jesus. We are falling in this trap where we are deserting our friends, deserting Christ for the ways of this world. And we need to stop that immediately. We need to make sure that we are following Christ. And then he talks about Alex the coppersmith and how he did him much harm. But Paul had a tone of gratitude for these people because it shaped him into who he became. And we all should know this story, but we're going to read a bunch about Paul today, okay? We're even going to read about Saul. If you don't know, that's also Paul. But we're going to read about him a little bit too. So turn to Acts 15. Acts 15, 36 through 41. It says, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in every town where we have preached the message of the Lord and see how they're doing. So if you don't know, Paul is talking about going back and checking in on the churches, the missionary trips that he has gone. So he said, hey, let's go back. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul did not think it appropriate to take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to, to do the work. There was a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Then Paul chose Silas. So they, they argued. Like, it wasn't, ah, oh, bro, it's cool. No, they argued. It was a sharp disagreement. But if you turn back to 2 Timothy and look what it says about John Mark. It says, only Luke is with me, but bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. 
So Church on the Rock, we started 11 years ago, uh, January 6th, 2000, and what is that? 2000, 2000, wow. Um, and if you guys don't know, John Lau and myself uh, came here to Brownsburg and started Church on the Rock. Towards the end of John's ministry here at Church on the Rock, we did not get along very well. We argued all the time. We disagreed on a lot of different things, but it would be really nice to have John right now with, after Rashad left, to have that partner in ministry. And we had our disagreements. And several months, maybe a year or two after John was in Westfield, he called me and he apologized. And he said, man, I really didn't see how much you did. And I really need a Jason. And I really need a John. So in ministry, you're going to have disagreements, but you know that there's love there. You know that you need each other. And here, I think it's so amazing how Paul says, bring Mark with you for he is useful to me in ministry. Who's useful to you in your ministry? We all should have a ministry. There should be someone that we are witnessing to right now. Who is that? All right. Most of all of our problems are because of who? People, right? How easy would life be without people? Every issue that I have is people, right? When you're in ministry, it's hard to get people to do this, to do that. They say they're going to do this, but they never do it. People make life hard. But as you guys know, that's a setup, right? Because we need people. We have to have people. We have to have people that we can come alongside of. We, have, we need people that we can lift up. We need people that we can just show the ways of the ropes or whatever, the ropes, however that goes, however that saying goes. But we need people to be able to pour into their life. There is nothing more dangerous than not having good friends around you, and possibly it is more dangerous for yourself not to be a great friend. So we're going to talk about five things that hopefully will help you to become a good friend, and not only uh, five things for you to become a friend, but hopefully your friends have these things as well. All right, so the very first thing is, is we need lifters. All right, turn to Acts 9, 17 through 18. Acts chapter 9, 17 to 18. So Ananias left and entered the house. Then he placed his hand on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road where you're traveling has sent me so you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something left like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after a good Baptist, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Okay, that's the old joke, right? But I, want to, I wanted to read that first because I want to go back 
to chapter 13 really quick. It says, here's Ananias saying this, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. All right. Ananias knew how bad this dude was, right? He was an assassin. He killed Christians. Like, he literally sat there and held coats so Christians could be stoned together. The first Christian martyr was Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Like, this was not a good dude, all right? This is somebody that I get the privilege to work around every day in a prison, right? He just wasn't a good dude. But Ananias went to him. Ananias spoke to him, and he accepted Jesus, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was baptized. How many of our friends do we say they're not even worth the time to talk to about that stuff? They're not going to listen. How many of us have those friends? How many of us know that no matter what we do, no matter what we say, they're just not going to listen. What makes Ananias a great friend? Not only did he lift him, but he pointed Paul to the one that could sustain him and continue to lift him no matter what he was facing. He was a murderer. He murdered Christians. But Ananias knew that he needed Jesus because Jesus could sustain him. A really good lifter knows that they can only lift you so high, but they'll also fail you, and they should be able to tell you that, hey, I'm not going to always be good. I'm not always going to do great things. I'm going to mess you up, but I know someone that won't, and his name is Jesus. How many people do we point to Jesus in everything that we do, right? So, at my job specifically, we try to talk about Jesus daily. We try. So, super happy. Two of my coworkers that have never been here is here this morning. And so, I don't know if they like this stuff, but they're going to get called out anyway. Andy and Tony, uh, two guys that work with us who get the privilege to speak amongst all of us about Jesus. Like, these are great things. How many of you guys have Bible study in your offices? All right? We have some guys that walk by our office and say they're having Bible study. We really aren't. We're just talking. But, like, who is, who's that witness for Jesus? Who are you witnessing to for Jesus? Who are you lifting up no matter how troubled they are? Who are you lifting up? Think about that today. Think about who you are lifting up in this time. Whose name are you telling them? Are you telling them about Jesus? Or are you in the gossip cooler with everybody else? All right? We need, next point, Leah, we need friends that let us out. All right? We need people that do more than just give us a handout. They give us a hand up. Right? One of the tr troubles I have is panhandlers just giving them money, right? I want to see what the problem is. Like, why are you in this situation? What can I do to help you to get out of your current situation? I've heard stories where people have taken people in and taken them to go get them food and actually are building a relationship with them, and they won't give them anything, but they'll restore them with some food, or they'll do some things that will help 
You know what I'm saying? Like, they come to church, they feel good about their Christian faith, they do good, they're in church, they're talking to churchy people, and then they go out, and then they're lost. They're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm afraid somebody's going to talk to me about Jesus. I don't know what to say. Be real. Be authentic. All right? People live their whole Christian life without being free. We are free in Christ, guys. We are free. We are free. All right? Acts 19. Turn there real quick. Acts 19, verse 8. Actually, are you an eight? Go to 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face cloths or work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and all the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the Jewish exorcist attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of Scavo, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? Then the men who had the evil spirits leaped the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them, so that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. That's how we are as Christians. We're walking around beat. We're walking around bloody because we're not giving it all to Jesus. We're not letting Jesus handle our affairs. We're not free. We're not free. We're saved, but we're not free. All right? The Good Samaritan. Let's look at that picture real quick. All right? Good Samaritan. Did you put that one up there, Leah? Maybe. <laughs> Luke 10. Luke 10. There's something in this story. So I was listening to a sermon this week. Actually, it was last week. And a guy said this, and I didn't believe what he said, so I had to go read it for myself. And then I was like, man, this goes really well with today's sermon. All right, Luke 10, 30 through the end, 37. Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down for Jerusalem to Jericho and fell onto the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, saw him pass by the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. All right? Right there, he lifted him, and now he's going to let him out. Look to what he did. He puts him on his animal, takes him to the inn, and what's he do? Take care of this man. I will come back and pay you whatever he did. He not only helped him out, all right? He just didn't just lift him up, but he helped him out. He took care of him. He let him go, okay? He did great things. Salvation 
is only the start. That is the start of our Christian walk. It's not the end, guys. It's not the end. We get saved and we think that's all that's it. That's not. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that come with that. All right? Responsibilities. All right? Tell people about Jesus. Show people your relationship with Jesus. I've talked about this a lot with Rooted. Like, it really opened my eyes to the relationship. Like, we have to show people that we have a relationship with Jesus. There are so many of us, just in this room of 40 people, we're hurting. We have struggles right now in our lives. Our marriages are falling apart. Our kids are in trouble. You name it, we're going through it right now. Because we will not be free in the Lord. We let all these things catch us up. All right, John eleven thirty eight through 44. John 11, this should be a story that you all know, but I want to read it really quickly because it plays a key part to this friend. John 11, 38 through 44, it says this, Then Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb, it was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. Remove this stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he already stinks. It's been four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that may believe, so they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. The miracle was Jesus raised him from the dead. But he needed his friends to loosen him and let him go. When I heard that, it spoke to me like I can't even explain it to you how it spoke to me. But he needed, Jesus said to them, loosen him and let him go. How many of us just need those words? Loosen us and let us go. Jesus wants you to go. He wants you to tell people about him. He wants you to praise him, worship him in everything that we do, not just on Sunday. He wants us to be free. He wants us to get out. He wants us to see amazing things. But we just aren't free. Number three, friends that let us in. All right, friends that let us in. So this is people that let you in, right? Small groups. We're about to start Rooted, and I am so excited about Rooted. When Rashad came to me about a month before he made his announcement, he was like, hey, I got this cool group of guys and girls, and, and let's get together, and 
I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. And then he makes the announcement, hey, I'm leaving. You got to lead it. I don't even know what I'm doing. So, but anyway, we let people in. You let people into your homes. You get intimate with them. You open up to them. You're honest with them. There's so many things that we need to do when we let people in. So many times we want to hide. So many times we don't want to be open with people. Some of the greatest things I've ever seen is when somebody is 100% authentic to somebody that doesn't know. There's no way that person went through that in life. And then they open up and tell the story, and then the person's life changes over that. Just because they let them in. Because they let them in. Same thing. Paul let Ananias in. Paul, that's not Paul's character, right? Paul was not that type of guy. All right? I said it earlier. He was an assassin, but he let him in. He led him to Christ. And now look what Paul has done. You guys do realize, right, that if this whole thing with Paul didn't happen, half the New Testament's gone, right? Wiped out, done, all right? All because somebody believed in someone. All because someone was let in. How many people do you let into your life? We always are trying to guard our heart. You know God allows us to go through certain things so that we can glorify him and hopefully raise somebody else up through that? One of the hardest things in my whole life was losing my house. I had two kids, I think, at the time. Two kids, yes. All right? Lost my house. Lost our cars. Didn't have a job. I mean, all these things... But people let us in, and people showed us, and people helped us. I use this in Rooted, is don't rob someone of a blessing. I'll never forget when I went to church one day, and there was an older gentleman named Bobby Dash. And the pride in me was like, this is not going to happen. But he tried to hand me a $100 bill. I was jobless making three ninety a week on unemployment. It was great. But he wanted to give me $100. And the pride in me was like, nope, not today. And I will never forget what Bobby Dash said to me. He said, brother, don't rob me of this blessing. Let people in. If someone wants to give you something... Don't rob them of that. God allowed them the money, the speech, to go through life, to be able to pour back into yours. Let these people in. Let them in. All right? Acts chapter 7. I said I wasn't going to read this. I'm sorry, Lee. I am. Maybe if I can find where I'm at. I should have highlighted it. Anyway, we'll just talk about it, okay? Um, it is where Barnabas vouched for him. It is where... No, that's not it. 
That's not it. That's not it. But thank you, Leah. See, she's on it. All right. Anyway, this is where Barnabas had to vouch for him. People were reluctant to come to listen to him, right? These people wouldn't come listen to him because he killed their father, killed their brother, killed their dad, killed their husband. I mean, these guys had to come and listen to a man that just did all that. But Barnabas vouched for him. All right, Barnabas stood up for him and said, listen, this man's life is changed. Who here has ever seen someone claim that they received Jesus, but there was no life change in them? I've seen it because they walked a walk that wasn't theirs. They said a prayer that wasn't theirs. But Paul changed. Barnabas said he changed. He's changed. I'm telling you, he changed. And reluctantly, they went and their lives were changed. 926, thank you. Is it nine, Acts 926? Was I that far off? I'm about to read 926. How did you know that? Did you steal my notes? All right, friends. All right, number four. Friends. See, I lost her. Four. Friends that will level us out. All right, 926. Here we go. When he arrived to Jerusalem, he tried to associate with his disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him, brought him to the apostles and explained to them how on the road Saul had seen the Lord and that he had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them to Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with Hellenistic Jews, but they attempted to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So right here, I can see this scene. Hopefully you guys can picture it. But Paul is leading a revival and causing a riot all at the same time, right? So it's this crazy scene. I could so see this, how crazy this is going to be. So the only way they could get rid of it was to send him away, right? Sometimes in ministry, that happens. They sent him 43 miles away. I want you guys to think about that. 43 miles they sent him away back in Jesus' day. There was no car, all right? There wasn't really nice tennis shoes. They were sandals on a dirt ground for 43 miles. So I figured this out to be like a 10 hours and 45-minute journey if everything went well, all right? So this was no small task, but they sent him out. They let him go, and Paul actually saw was ticked. All right, he was so mad and so frustrated, he actually leaves the ministry and goes back to make intense. But they had to send him away because he was causing so much ruckus. I know people don't like church discipline, all right, but it's real, right? If that one is causing all this destruction to the 99, get rid of the one. But if that one needs to come back, go get him. Go get him. There's so many times that we forget about the one, but the one is the one destroying the other 99. The Bible is full of stories like that, where it says, get rid of him. Move him out of here. All right? That is what the Bible says. 
doesn't say not to love them, all right? Even if you remove them because they're destructive within the church body, it doesn't say not to love them. Remember that, all right? Just because you had to get rid of them for that season doesn't mean you stop loving them. It doesn't mean you stop telling them about Jesus. Church discipline is a real thing. And I know people don't like that, but it's scriptural. Number five. Friends that will look us up. Acts 11. 19 through 26. Those who have been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the message to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, Kyprit and Syrian men, who came to Antioch and began speaking to Hellenists, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Then it reported about them, reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, that they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He was glad. And he encountered all them to remain true to the Lord with firm resolve of the heart. For, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. The large number of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarshish to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Barnabas didn't give up on him. Barnabas went and looked for him. There was no cell phone. There was no Facebook. He went door to door to find him. And when he found him, he pulled him back out, and they spent a year together. A year. We are so quick to push people off to the side and never go looking for them again. There are so many people that I wish and I pray, and there's a reason why this happened. I don't know the reason, but I always said I wish I was saved in high school. There are so many people that I never, ever got the opportunity to speak to them about Christ. And it hurts. And that's why I push every week, let's go out, let's find someone, let's tell someone about Jesus. Let's tell someone that they need Jesus. Look up those old friends. Look them up. Look at the ones that betrayed you the most and go to them. And tell them, it's not really you wanting to go to them, but it's Jesus wanting you to go to them. And tell them about Jesus and tell them what Jesus had done. Apologize to them if you did them wrong. If they did you wrong, forgive them. The two hardest things in the world for a man to do. Apologize and forgive. All right? It's called a pride. And we struggle with it bad. But I'm telling you, some of the greatest times in my Christian walk is when people came and apologized. When John Lau came back and told me, man, I'm sorry. 
I wish I had you with me right now. That meant the world to me. Because I felt when he left that he thought it was a bad decision to bring Jason with him. All right? And right now in this moment, I wish I had John. But it's not, that's not what God wants. So as we go through today and as we think about friendship and we do all these things, I want you guys to remember these five things. Leah, are you ready? Number one. Caught her off guard. Sorry. Lifters. Number two. <laughs> Wake up, Leah. I know it's a lot of scripture in between there, so it's not super easy. I can look at my notes. Lifters. Still put them up there. Friends that let us out. I'll go slow. Listen. You guys can tell me my notes. Let's go. Friends that level us out. Friends that look us up. All right. There they are. Hopefully we can be that friend. Tonight, when we get together for a game that that guy named Tom Brady's in again, it's so depressing. And we're depressed and we want to cry. And all these things. Let's remember that Jesus put friends in our lives for a reason. We have people in our lives for a reason. We might not ever know the reason, but God does. God gets glory in all situations, remember that. In the good, the bad, and the ugly, God gets the glory. And I know those are hard sometimes, especially the bad and the ugly, but he gets the glory. When someone comes for for salvation and talks about how much they need the Lord. And then you see them go out and they free themselves of all that bondage they were in before him. It's an amazing thing. Like it's awesome to see what God can do in someone's life when they let him do it. And stop fighting. Stop fighting him. He's there to help. It's not that you're going to live this perfect life because let me tell you, you are not. But he is there with you. He wants you to be free. He wants you to go tell people. He wants you to pick people up. He wants you to help others. He wants you to do all these things. He wants you to be this great friend. He calls us all to be friends to people. So, as a worship team comes up, I just want to say a couple things. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. We're going to sing a song. What song is it? You told me already. I forget. All the poor and powerless. All the poor and powerless. With Jesus, we are powerful. All right? If you don't know him on that personal relationship, I pray that during this song, you can sit at your chair, you can come up to the altar, whatever you need to do to ask Jesus into your heart. If you do know Jesus and you have a relationship with him, but you don't follow what you need to do, what scripture says, that you repent and move on. Free yourself from that. If you're living with a sin right now in your life 
that you think no one knows, Jesus knows. Lay it at his feet. Ask him to take it from you and walk away free. Walk away free. So many of us don't want to walk away free. We want to stay in bondage to that. If you need to grab someone to go with you and to help you with that, grab somebody. I can look around this room right now. There's many a people that will walk with you. It's not good to walk alone. You need to have that accountability partner. You need to have that person that will tell you things that normal people won't tell you, right? I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But be honest with your friends. Tell them when you see them do something wrong. I'm thankful that I don't have a hundred Elizabeths because she tells me when I'm wrong all the time. And that's funny, but it's true. And it helps me. Even though I get angry sometimes, like, why are you calling me on that? But in reality, it helps. And you need that person in your life. You need that person. You need that friend. So as we sing, lift your voices up to God and pray to him. He's the only one that can get you out of the funk you're in. And then get with friends that will lift you up that will also tell you about yourself when you're wrong. Don't just get a yes man or a yes friend. Get someone that loves and adores you and will help you be the best Christian you can be.
you for taking the time to join us on this podcast from Church on the Rock here in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you would like any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.